Hi, I'm Grant Dufresne, and welcome to Dufresne Ministries podcast channel. We believe that as you listen to this message, your faith will be stirred and you will be encouraged in whatever you are believing God for today. Stay tuned at the end of this message to find out more information about our ministry. Well, last week we talked about, uh, do y'all remember? Humility. The title was Humility and Then Healed. Humility and Then Healed. So many times we've, we've got that backwards. We believe, well, heal me first, and then I'll see how good you are. Then I'll be, I'll be humble. But it's not the case, amen. We have got to, to humble ourselves to get everything that God has for us. Um, if you have your Bible, let's just go back to one verse. In James 6, 3, verse 6. The reason I want to go back is because I want you all to pick back up with me and remember what we looked at. James 4, 6. And it says here, if you have a highlighter or a pen, I want you to highlight it. But he gives more grace. The word grace here is meaning the provision that God has provided for us. From it be financial, to physical, to healing, to blessing, to favor. All those things are covered under this grace. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he said, but God resists the what? The proud. But gives... Giveth grace unto the who? The humble. If you need a greater financial blessing, you need more humility. If you need a miracle, what do you need? Humility. Miracles come from humility. I want to look up something real quick. If y'all just, I want to type something in. So we can look at it. Uh, I'm looking for it right now. The word proud, I want you guys to hear this. The word in the dictionary means feeling deep pleasure or satisfaction as a result of one's own achievements, and qualities, qualities about themselves, or possessions of someone whom is greatly associated. So you can see how this would be rejected in the sights of God because pride or any level of it associates itself with its own achievements, which is very dangerous. You, you never heal yourself. You never had your faith. Your faith was given to you by God through revelation. So to say, well, it was my faith that healed me. No, it was revelation from the word is the reason that you are healed. So you can see how the word pride, when it's brought up to God, how it's 
being rejected. And most people think, well, pride is your qualities about you. Because that's what it says. It, it says its own qualities. But the problem is, is you need to get qualities from the word of God, not your own qualities. Well, this is the way my father and my mother taught me. Well, just because they taught you something doesn't mean it was right. You can be taught to do something wrong. Amen. I've been taught to do things wrong. And then somebody with more revelation came and showed me how to do it in a better way. I said, you know what? That is a lot better. I was wrong, and the way they did things was very dangerous. It worked, but it was dangerous. And I know um, back in the day, um, that World War II era, uh, men were very much what you would say, you know, they were men. And they were stern, and they believed what they believed. And if you didn't like it, then you can kick rocks, you know? And a lot of those men didn't say, I love you. They didn't admit to being wrong. They didn't uh, admit. Now, we do have that today, so don't get me wrong. But, but you can see how, where did that stem from? And what's behind it? Why wouldn't you say you're sorry? What's the point? Because I don't have to. I just don't have to. And I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. And women, a woman can't tell me I'm wrong. And or another man can't tell me I'm wrong. What is this? This is a sense of pride. This is a sense of I won't listen to you because of who you are or your age or your sex. I'm not going to listen. And that's very much against the word of God. Um, I'm 34 years old right now. And someone says, well, you're too young for me to, you know, be able to receive from you. I, I personally don't have a problem with that. Because I don't need you to listen from, from me, but if you need help, I would encourage you to listen to anybody that's giving revelation. But if you won't listen to me, Jesus died at 33 years old. So he's actually younger than me, but, oh, I'd listen to Jesus. Well, would you? Well, he was ministering from the age he was 30 to 33 years old. Well, I will only listen to somebody of older age. Just be careful and put that in the word of God. And if that's bothering you, if a younger person or a certain sex bothers you, take it back to the word of God and ask God and say, Father, should I be bothered by that? Because humility asks before it lets that nature. What's that nature of resisting the revelation from a younger person? What's there? It's pride. It's a pride issue. It's being prideful. Well, bless God, I know more than them. Well, do you? Do you? Because I sure see a lot of older people asking for help on their cell phones to five-year-olds. Is that true? Why is that? Because they have a greater revelation of how to work that thing. It's not about your age. It's about, you know, the revelation you have, the knowledge you have. A lot of these... The computer techs are 8, 9, 10 years old. And they will hack into your bank account that you did work in a hard life and rape it clean of every dollar and go and buy Fortnite garbage. So we have to understand it's not about an age. It's not about a sex. It's about revelation. 
If I hear a five-year-old speaking Revelation, boy, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. Amen. So we can't have pride if we need miracles. We can't have pride if we want a greater revelation of the Word of God. Amen. So it says here in verse 6 at the bottom, God resists the proud but gives grace unto the humble. It is so important because we need grace in our lives. We need blessing. We need favor. We need the things of God. We need healing in our lives. And all those come when humility comes. Amen. And today we're going to look at humility in the Bible. I want to go to certain scriptures and show you how humility changed people in a great way. Amen. So the first place we're going to go is 2 Kings 5 9. 2 Kings 5 9. Because it's so important to get into the Word and we need to um, get into the Word and, and put ourselves in these places that they're at. Because when, when you read a story, you have to use your imagination. In a movie, you don't have to use your imaginations because it's presented to you in, in a physical form. But when you read a book, you have to imagine what these people are going through, and it makes it in a greater way. Anytime you read the Word of God, imagine yourself in these places, because I believe you'll get a greater revelation of why these things are being said, why things are being done. But most of the time, we read them through like a story real quick and don't grasp the big picture. Amen. When we read about Abraham, we can read it real quick, but overall it was over many, many years, a long time. Amen. So we have to kind of bring that into perspective. And here in um, 2 Kings 5.9, this is a story about, um, about Naaman. Naaman is a commander of the army of the king of Syria, and he's, he's honored. He's an honored man. And he's seen in a, a bright way throughout, th- throughout the country. He's a very honored man. The problem is, he has leprosy. And back then, it was not curable. This was a non-curable disease. And it, where it eats the flesh, it, it's a bad thing. And Naaman needs help. And so, um, the short part of the The story is he's going to go see the prophet. He's going to go see the prophet because he needs a miracle. He needs a miracle. Because there's no ointments, no oils that can cure this. In verse 9 it says, The Naaman went with his horses and chariots. So we know he's traveling. This is what I'm talking about. Let's put ourselves in this place. We know he's traveling a great distance and he's on a chariot. Well, I can't imagine going down a bumpy road on a chariot for many hours, many days with horses and dust and all the above going to a certain place to get a miracle. So number one, he's already putting out a great amount of effort to go get his miracle. Amen? He's traveling a distance. If you're going... Five miles an hour, you're going five miles in one hour. So if he's just trotting along, I don't know how long it takes, but usually, usually I think you can get like 20 miles a day on a horse. I'm not exactly sure, but in the big scheme of things, that's like going from here to the front of Corona in 
that, that's your day's ride. So we can imagine that this man is probably traveling and you can understand everything that goes with it from sleeping outside to being dirty to all the above. So we have to bring that into perspective. Amen. And so he's been traveling with his horses and chariots, and then he stood at the door of the prophet's house, Elisha's house, and Elisha didn't even come out. He sent a messenger to him. Why is he doing this? And I'll explain later. He sends a messenger to him and says, go. And the messenger is saying, and obviously this man comes and presents himself in a great way with the up stature and says, I'm here. Where's the prophet? And he says, uh, excuse me, uh, he's not coming to meet you. What do you mean he's not coming to meet me? So let's go on here. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. Why not five? Not, why not just once? Seven times. And wash and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be cleaned. So he came from a long journey. Expected, expecting to be greeted by the prophet, but instead was greeted by a servant, which was probably, in his eyes, a disgrace. From somebody that is high-ranking in the military, that is honorable, honored, and respected to send a, a servant out to tell him something, to go dip in a river seven times? What does he need to have right now? Humility. To have understanding. Even though your surroundings don't present you with understanding, you need to understand it. Yeah. Amen. He said, go and wash in the Jordan seven times in your, and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became what? Furious. Mine says furious. What is furious? That's like, I'm going to grab this chariot, I'm going to flip it over. I'm going to get my sword and throw it, right? That's furious. Why is he furious from what he's hearing? But did the servant just give him his answer for his miracle? He just did, but he didn't hear it. Because he's still on the first part that the prophet didn't come out and meet him. Amen. I love this part because it, it really puts us, you know, where we live. And he became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I say to myself, he shall surely come out to me. He's telling him to himself. Shouldn't he come out and talk to me? Shouldn't he come out and talk to me? He's supposed to. He's supposed to come out and talk to me. And stood and called on the name of the Lord and his God and waved. He's saying here, why doesn't he just come out and talk to me, wave his hand on me and God will heal me and I'll be on my merry way. Because the prophet heard from God, and he knew that this would not benefit him to do that. This man needs to learn some humility. It's due to his stature, but he has to remember, and he's teaching him, God is greater than you. And I shouldn't have to come out and just wave my hand because of who you think you are. I'm giving you your answer, but you're re refusing it by throwing a tincture tantrum. Hello? And, and he stood and called on the name of the, of the Lord to wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are, I don't know the name of the rivers, but are not these rivers of Damascus better 
than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And he turned and went away in rage. His miracle was in front of him, and he's leaving. Why? Due to pride. He's leaving due to pride because of what he thinks he should expect. Have you ever lost your temper before? I have. We all have. It's not about losing the temper. It's about, yes, it is, but what I'm mentioning here, it's about recovering from your rage, recovering from being furious, recovering from being mad. You can recover very quickly. You can. I have to remind myself of that. You know, I think, men, we have to remind ourselves, look, I can recover from this. Amen. And he turned away in rage, and his servant, who? His servant, came near and spoke to him. Uh, so the servant is seeing, <laughs> I know you're upset, but we need to look at the big picture here. You have an incurable disease, and you are going to die You're going to die. And his servant came and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, he's saying in person, would you have not done it? How much more then? Then he said, you go wash and be cleaned. So, he, so what did he do? He had to say, you know what? You have a point. You make sense. I see what you're saying. Sometimes you need to step away and realize that you're wrong. It's... The problem is, is when you think you're right, even though you're wrong, and you're going to prove to everybody that you're right by being wrong, then that's a problem. What does he need? What, what does this man need? He needs a miracle. He needs a miracle. How, he needs a miracle, and he's going to get it through humility. Amen. If, if the prophet, and then it goes at the bottom, how much more then when he said, you go wash and be clean? So he went and dipped seven times. If I was going to dip seven times and I was upset, I wouldn't just flop my head around, go one, two, three. I'm going to dip and make it fully emerged, one. And I'm going to get up and everyone's going, yeah, that was one. And two, I'm not going to go for six. If the prophet said, Seven, you better make it count. You better know your numbers. We're going to do it the right way. Amen. Well, why can't he just lay hands on me? It doesn't matter. This is what you're told to do. If he said jump up and down seven times, you better jump up and down seven times. Amen. So he went and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to him saying of the man of God. He did according to what the man of God was saying. And his flesh was restored like the, fre like the flesh of a little child and was clean. Did he almost miss his miracle? Yes. Due to pride. Yeah, he did. He almost missed his miracle due to pride. And he returned to the man of God and all of his assets, and he came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there was no God in the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from, from, from your servant. So all of a sudden, he's really humble. He's really crawling to the prophet's feet to say, 
I'm sorry. You were right, and I was wrong. But that's what makes a man of God is admitting you're wrong. Admitting you was wrong and learning from your mistake, I guarantee you he would never make this mistake again. Amen. Last week we talked about that your life is an aroma unto God. You say, Brother Stephen, that's ridiculous, is it? Just because you don't have understanding of something doesn't mean it's not important or it's not relative. There's stuff that I've heard ministers say, and I didn't know what they were saying, and it sounded half crazy, but I said, you know what? I don't know what they're saying, but maybe it's above where I'm at. Just because it sounds nuts to you doesn't mean it's not real, that it's of importance. And you say, Brother Stephen, that sounds crazy, a sweet-smelling aroma. I think you, you can, I, I've met people that pride is radiating off of them. It radiates off of them that they are superior in every way. If you try to have a conversation with them, they've already done it, and they know how to do it better, and they're going to show you how to do it, and they're better at everything. You can't even have a conversation with these people because they got a one-up. Everything's just one-up. I've done that. Yeah, I've done that. Oh, yeah, I know somebody. Yeah, this and that. It makes it incredibly hard to talk to people. Anytime I get around people that are older than me, even people that are younger, I'm not talking. I'm listening. I get with ministers in the car from Brother Richard to, uh, 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 to Pastor Simons to uh, whoever. Even though they've told me the same story a hundred times, what am I going to do when they tell me again? I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen again. I'm not going to say, I've already heard this story. You've already told me the story. Why? Because they may say something else in that story that I've never heard before that I needed to hear. Amen. Sometimes it's not about listening. It's about getting the spirit that's on them. It's not about just, well, I've already heard this story by Brother Copeland. I've already heard this story by Nancy Dufresne. I've already heard this story by Morgan. It doesn't matter. What do you need off of them? I need the spirit that's in them. Whatever they have, I need it for myself. I need it for me. And that's what's important. I don't get around men of God, women of God, and talk. I'm listening. And I say, Father, anything they're saying that I need, I ask you to give it to me. Because I need that in my life. I need what Pastor Johnny has. I need what Brother Copeland has. I need what all these ministers have. How do I get it? By humility. By saying, Father, I am listening. I am listening to these people. Maybe I don't understand. But what I need is the Spirit. Amen. I need that anointing in my life. Because there's some ministers, half time, I don't even know what they're saying. They're all over the place. And I think we all can, they go, Brother Stephen, that's how you are. <laughs> well, maybe so. But we have to be understanding. It's not about just understanding, but receiving the spirit. It's not about the story. It's about, it's about the, the spirit and the faith behind it. So, 
our lives need to be a sweet-smelling aroma unto God. We have to endeavor to have humility surrounding us. I want to go, and last week we talked about, remember the, the father brought his child, and he said, Father, I believe, help my unbelief. Nobody remembers. <laughs> All right, we'll have to go back and preach it. No, I'm just playing. But it is important to understand you don't know everything. We don't know everything. I don't un understand why does he have to go dip seven times? I don't know. Why didn't this person get healed? What's it for me? I don't know. You just have to walk your own level of faith. Obviously, this man had some pride, and going down to a river was going to break that because he couldn't get through if the man had pride. Amen? Let's continue. I want to go to Matthew 15, 22. Now, I'm going to ask you again to put yourself in this scripture. Put yourself in this story. Let's not just read it like we usually read it, and I'll do, do, do my best to narrate this whole thing. And behold, it's uh, Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a woman, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out, to him saying, have mercy on me, O son, son of David. My daughter is grievously de devil-possessed. Now, we see here from the first part, these words are regurgitated from what she heard in the surrounding area. So, number one, she knows where her miracle is. Number two, she's going to say what she thinks is correct to say. So far, we've, we've seen that. And what she's saying is regurgitated from what she's heard in the village. She didn't know she, that he's a son of David. She doesn't know all this stuff. She's not even in, in the thing. Amen? But what does she need? A miracle. Let's not forget that. She needs a miracle. And this is what I'm talking about. You have to put yourselves in these scriptures and digest them. Have mercy on me, O son of David, my father, or my daughter is grievously devil-possessed. But he answered her not a word. Answered her not a word. If, he, if you came up here and wanted to ask me a question and I didn't even pay attention to you, and I just walked right past you and didn't even shake your hand, what would you think of me? Boy, that's really rude. Man, he doesn't like me. He doesn't like me. This woman needs a miracle. <laughs> Brother Stephen, will you pray for me? And I just walk right past you. You would think, boy, that's a hateful thing to do. You declare that you, that you love people, and you get up and talk about how you love people, but you don't even help me? Did she have that opportunity to think that at that time? Yeah, she did. Wouldn't answer a word. But what does she need? A miracle. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries after us now. So she went to Jesus. He didn't pay attention to, work, to what anything he, that she was saying. So then she continues on 
to, to get after 12 disciples. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. She's persisted at every single one of these. And I'm assuming if you're trying to get away from somebody and you're not answering somebody, you're probably walking. And when you're walking, this woman is following you, bothering you, and getting in your face. What does she need? She needs a miracle. And she's not willing, just dude, because someone's ignoring her. Or someone's not doing her right. Or said something that offended her. She's not leaving without a miracle. Send her away for she cries out after us. And he answered her. He, he answered and said, it is not sin except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's saying this doesn't belong to you. So now he's speaking to her. Let me ask you this. You don't have to respond. Is Jesus being good to her right now? Is he being good to her right now? Because most people think, boy, he's being awfully hateful. Being awfully hateful. And we usually read this and we run through it. But really, if we don't put ourselves, we don't see the real aspect of this whole thing. And then, but he said, he, he answered and said, I was not sent except to the, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's saying healing is the children's bread and it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to you. I'm sorry. Then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. So first words are regurgitated. Seconds are sincere. Help me, son of David. She heard that. But now what is she saying? Help me. I need help. Help me. And if you worship somebody, what's the greatest way to worship somebody? By falling at their feet. And if they're falling at your feet and you're walking, what are you doing? You're going past them and they're laying back here and then they run forward again and get back in front of your feet. And then you keep walking and they keep, what, what is she doing? She's persistent. She's not giving up. She's not letting what she heard phase her. She's not saying, well, you get up and talk about the love for people. What about me? And then he says, well, I'm not sent, sent to you. Well, what kind of God is that? That not even sent to help me. You know what? Forget y'all. Forget y'all. I won't have anything to do with a bunch of prophets walking around. Healing folk won't, won't help me. And most, most people, and I put myself in that same thing, would probably get upset. Amen. We'd be upset. She came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. But then, but then he said something else. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread. Healing is the children's bread. You see that? It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. So she's worshiping at his feet. And he says, he's calling her a dog. Now, most women, if a man called you a dog, woo, dog. What do you mean, dog? Woo! Dog. But what does she need? A miracle. Don't matter what you call me right now. You call me the worst thing in the book because I need a miracle. Dog or not, that don't offend me. So you have to see here, pride would have got upset 
at the first thing, ignoring him. And then you would have got upset when he didn't answer you. And then when he told you, it's not for you. And then he says, I'm not going to give the crumbs to a dog. Dog? I'm going to go tell my husband. I'll be back. We see, I'm going to keep going before I get on that. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bed and throw it to the little dogs. But she needs a miracle. And she said, yes, Lord. So she's agreeing and saying, you're right. You're right. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Do you think Jesus is smiling when she said that? Oh, yeah. He's smiling and he's looking at his disciples and saying, you guys, come on. This is this is this is serious. She is a persistent rascal. And Jesus answered and said to her, oh, woman, what? Great is your faith. Great is your faith. Why does she have great faith? Because she set down pride and pulled in humility Pulled in, if you kick dirt in my face, if you step on my hair, if you call me bad names, if you ignore me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I'm here for help and I'll do whatever it takes to get help. As far as I know, there's only two places that Jesus said, great is your faith. And this is one of them. And it's due to humility. Nothing else. But but humility is saying, whatever you say about me is true, but help me. Help me. Amen. Great is your faith. Let it be unto you, unto your desires. And your daughter, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. So we see here, when we diagnose this, she was called not nice things. Jesus ignored her. If Jesus ignored you just for one second, you'd probably say, that's it. It's over. He don't love me. He never did like me. (laughs) And so even though that's something that didn't belong to her, through birthright, through where she was from, it didn't matter. And Jesus said, great is your faith because of your humility. Amen. It's so important that you have to remember in life, You need God in your life. And when you say, I'm a self-made person, I'm a self-made man, I'm a self-made woman, you've gotten out of the realm that God can bless you. Gratefulness is being humble enough to say, everything I have is because of God. Everything that I'm going to get is because of God. And, And you say, Father, I thank you. For, for showing me how to be more humble. Because pride is like weeds in a the yard. They're going to always come back. And pride can start setting back in in your life and start taking root back in your life. And you really not even notice that it's become a problem again. And what do you need to do? You need to always be aware that pride is growing somewhere in your life and you have to weed it out. You always have to be cautious of where it is. And see it and say, Father, you have to show me. People don't ask God to show them anything. I'm not saying you don't, but I'm saying a lot of people, when I tell them, I said, well, do you ask God? They say, no. 
I think it just kind of bypasses us. We mean to do right, but at the end of the day, you say, Father, you have to help me to become more like you. You have to help me to see things in the word of God. Greater revelation. And when you ask for it, you're asking for wisdom. And the only reason you're going to get wisdom is from your humility. God doesn't give wisdom to the proud. He doesn't. And he, he doesn't give favor to them. He doesn't give anything to them. Most of the world is so full of pride that they will literally die going to their graves due to pride. They would rather get in a car accident and die just to prove they was right. Right? They think, most people think they're superior to what the other person is. And this is a very dangerous thing. There's somebody else that always knows more than you. People think in business, I don't want to work for the man anymore. I don't want to work for nobody anymore. I want to work for myself. Well, let me tell you something. You're always going to work for somebody. Even if you own a business, you have customers that you're working for. And it, it's a delusion of pride to think, I don't want no one over me. I'm going to do what I want to do. Amen. So you have to understand that you don't bite the hand that's feeding you. If you don't want, want to work there, fine. But you need to understand why are you saying that? What's based on that? Why are you saying, I don't want to work for the man? What's the point behind it? Well, because they got a foot on me. Well, maybe they do. But you know what? Right now you're getting paid by them. So it's best for you to shut your mouth and say, you know what? I'm grateful that they gave me a job because there's a lot of people out here that don't have a job and I'm grateful for this. And when you get grateful for what you have, God can bless you to a greater measure. Amen. Don't ever get ungrateful. Be grateful for everything you've got and give God glory. I mean, if you have just a little bit of food in your house, you go, well, thank you, Father, for the groceries I do have. And the natural man wants to complain. Trust me, I know I want to complain too, but that's natural. What's your spiritual saying? Your spirit, man, says be grateful. Because being grateful is humility. Because ungrateful gets to its owed to me. It's owed to me. That's a big thing we're saying in our society today that things are owed to this generation. For what? What is it owed to you? What is it owed to you? Because 80 years ago, Men got up every morning, women, and they went and worked hard jobs. Now, if it's a hard work, I was talking with somebody recently, and they hired somebody, and they had to do some manual labor, and they quit after the first day. They're done. I don't want to do it. They want something easy. They don't want to work. I want something easy. And you know what? Everything's going to fly right past them in life. Because they think they're looking for something that doesn't exist. They're, they're looking for the secret rabbit hole that gets them to be a millionaire. You can't get wealthy through God's word and being prideful. It can't happen. Because God won't put somebody with wealth to, to, to squander it away on riffraff. If you have anything from God or you want anything, you better declare it unto God and dedicate it to God. Every dollar you have, every dollar I have, if you commit it and say, it's all yours, Father. And anything else that comes in belongs to you. Then God can use you. Amen. It's when you get, well, it's my money. Oh, it's your money. Well, I'm believing for more money so I can have my, more money. 
I'm believing for your money that you give me so I can have more. <laughs> oh, really? Hey, so we have to be very cautious about this pride that gets in. Don't leave without what you need due to pride. Don't leave a sermon and get mad at the preacher for what he said. I've seen many people walk out of a service because of what something said, and I can't imagine ever doing that just because they, they're literally leaving because of lack of understanding. And this is what they did to Jesus when he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. They said, that's it, we're leaving. With, with, they could have got a lot more revelation, but they declined it due to one thing they didn't understand. And you're not going to un- understand everything, but it doesn't matter. You just sit, sit there and go, I don't understand, but that's all right. Most of the things you saw in school, you never understood either, but you still went. I don't understand all them squiggly lines and cursive and all that stuff, but you know what? I'm there. (laughs) Amen. Romans 12, 3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, let's go there, Uh, Romans 12, 3. This is a wonderful scripture that we have to remind ourselves of, okay? And it says here, for I say through the grace, it's Romans 12, 3, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. This is a problem that a lot of us have. We think more highly, we think we're more um, qualified than we really are. I've seen people come and do jobs, and they, I mean, they said that they're so qualified, they know what they're doing, and they about cut their hands off doing something because they really didn't know what they were doing, but they're talking a bunch of talk and think they really know what they're doing. You have to be sober about where you're at. That's what that lady said. She said, you need to help me. I need help. I don't know everything right to say. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to worship you, and I believe I'll get my miracle, and you cannot offend me, whatever you say. And this is what... Did not think of yourself more highly. Because if that woman did think more highly of herself, she would have walked away when she first tried. Because I don't deserve this. You don't deserve anything. You don't deserve anything. But through the grace of God, you can have everything. To, to, To think more highly, he ought not to think, but to think soberly. That word soberly is to not fantasize about your own accomplishments, to not fantasize about how great you are and what you can do. Amen. As, but to think as God has dealt each one the same me- measure of faith. So it's important that we think soberly about where we are and about what we believe. And you may have doubt in your heart, but you get up and say, I don't have any doubt in my heart. You're lying. Because that's what that man said when he brought his convulsing child. He said, I do believe but help my unbelief. Because if there is a part in me and things I don't understand, and I don't understand why they couldn't get him healed, but I'm asking you, help my unbelief. Because God can work with sincerity. He can work with a pure heart. But it's the people that are hard of heart to think highly of themselves. Well, I've done everything right. I don't know why I'm not healed. How many times have we heard that? I've done everything right. I don't know why I'm not healed. 
Something's wrong. We say, you know what? But humility says, Father, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong? What am I not doing? And in that, you will hear, that's what the Holy Ghost is for, your answer. And what you hear, you may not like. And you say, no, that's not for me. What I just heard in my spirit, you need to be nicer to your wife. No, she needs to be nicer to me. Then I'll be nicer to her. So you see how this is? You need to stop lying about things. Well, I don't really lie. I just See, just say, okay, show me how to not lie. Show me how to not, show me not how to be exaggerative. Show me how to be these things. Because when you get in the word of God, even these, these things that you exaggerate are things that are, are, that you've done in your life. You can't be doing anymore. You have to stop this stuff because you create a finer walk with God. Because if you do, do that in with people, you're personally going to do it with God and it, it can't be. Amen. So it's important that we think of ourselves not more highly than, than we ought. And when I hear Morgan will tell me stuff about people, about tragic things happening to other Christians. And you, you, you can, and I'm training myself, and I've actually, I'm, I praise God that me and my wife are training ourselves. But when I hear these things, they're tragic. And instead of saying, well, why don't they just believe God? Why don't they just believe God and get their miracle? What did they? Well, obviously they're doing something wrong. But instead, my first place I go to is compassion. Well, you need to teach yourself the first place you go when you hear somebody else's that, that, that they died of cancer to say, oh, Father, oh, Father, thank you, Father, that you're showing me where I don't miss it, Father. Father, whatever they didn't see, show me. Show me. I ask you to show me. I have compassion on them, Father. Bless them in any way you can. I ask you to bless them in any way you can. Because we need to be open and for, for God to use us because you're not su- susceptible to those things not happening to you. Because you think you're superior and those things can't happen to you because you're a faith person. But really, that is creating a void, an open door in your life that sickness can come in because pride is part of of Satan. And those things can get in because you don't see them. Because pride has blinded you from your spiritual growth. So it's very important that when you hear things about ministers. I I just heard uh, one, maybe you guys heard it as a, uh, I guess, a pastor out here in Orange County. He was, a, I guess, a, a, a spiritual, uh, uh, he helped people with depression and things like that, and he committed suicide. And I thought, oh, Father, I thought, I th- it, but, the, but, but the physical side says, well, how is he helping people with depression? And he's killed himself. That's from the physical realm to say, or the physical man said, well, how can he help anybody? Well, bless God, the man's dead. He's committed suicide. His family's without. He's got young kids. They don't have nobody. What do you need to have? Compassion. Compassion to say, Father, I don't know what he didn't see, but he didn't see something. And I ask you to show me because I may come up to that one day myself. I may come up with suicidal thoughts myself, and I ask you to show me, to have mercy on me, to show me how to not get to that place. Show me how to not get to that place. Because most people think, oh, well, I went to World Harvest Church. I went to the Bible school, and I'm superior to everybody. And I've seen that in Bible school people. You think you're superior, but you don't even know your head from your foot. And you think you're superior, 
But if I put you in a hospital room with a bunch of people with cancer, you start crying, I don't know what's different. I don't know what to do. And this is because you're not sober about yourself. Because you're living on mommy and daddy's money and you got a car and you don't work at all because you're in Bible school, you think you're believing God when really it's just mercy. Amen. And so, but we have to think very soberly about ourselves to have mercy that you don't know everything because if you say that, then God can use you in a great way and he can bless you. Say, Father, I don't know if I'm believing correctly, but I ask you to help me. I ask you to help me. I don't know why this person is a Christian and is dying from cancer and they don't know either, but I know you're revealing it to them and I refuse to take that thought, but I ask you to show me how to never get to that place. I ask you to show me. And he's going to start revealing things to you. And you have to conform to him. The word says you're transformed. You're transformed. You become something else. You're not the same anymore. Amen. Are y'all being helped? Obadiah 1.3 says, The pride of your heart has deceived you. The pride of your heart has deceived you. Because pride... It puts a wall around everything else, and it only sees its own superiority. Whatever you say, it only sees itself as great. And it's, it, it, it's a deceiver. Pride is a deceiver of man, of young people. That's why they say young people think they can do everything because of pride, because they're blinded by their age, by their stupidity. When old people say, you're going to kill yourself, you know I'm not. Sure enough, they're dead in a week. Why? Because these people have learned something. They've learned something. So it's very important that you don't deceive yourself because you can think you're better or you've done something better. That's why you're blessed. Praise God, I'm blessed. I know. But instead, you, you need to always realize there could be a smoke cloud of pride in my life. And I'm not able to see it. And that's why it's so important that we... Die, that, 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 that you put yourself under a magnifying scope and say, Father, show me. Show me what I need to change in my life. Yes. Amen. Pride try, tries to outdo everybody. One thing I have to remind myself is without the Father, I can do nothing. Without the Father, I can do nothing. And it's so important because when you realize that, you realize you're releasing yourself of the obligation to try to be wealthy or try to be better because God's going to put you there on his own through you learning in the word. That's why over in Joshua it says meditate there in day and night. And when you do these things, you'll learn that pride is not of me and you'll learn that I am love and that you need to walk in humility. And when you do that, I can use you in a great way. Amen. Let's go to John 9, 6. One thing you have to be careful of is your pastime being in pride or doing prideful things. I know sports is a highly, highly prideful uh, deal because people take an extreme amount of pride in their team of their location. 
But in reality, these players are bought and paid for by a multimillionaire that owns the team that is making money off of your, of, of your love for the team. And these players are actually only there for one thing. What is it? For money. For the most part, they're there for money, and they're making a lot of it. And the people that own it are making a lot of money. And so you have to understand, I understand it's a sport, and I understand it's fun, but when it alters your day and your week and it alters who you are, this is a real problem. Even though it's fun, now it hasn't become fun. It's become personal, and it's become spiritual, and now it's ruined (laughs) your (laughs) – because – you could be watching a game right now in church on your phone or watching a score and getting very upset because your team is losing. And it, you have to be very careful. I know uh, if I were to talk trash, uh, we have Raiders fans, we have all, all kinds of different fans in California, uh, the 49ers, whatever. If I were to talk trash, you get upset. What is that getting upset in you? That's that pride of ownership. You can't talk about that, about my team. We're better than that. Well, are you better than that? <laughs> Probably not. And so you try to up, upsell your team based on, <laughs> on the fact you know. But really, at the end of the day, these guys go home to their mansions, and the owner goes away laughing in buckets of money, and you're sitting here fighting in the parking lot <laughs> with the other teams, and these other people is going to dinner together. So you have to understand it is a sport and it's meant to rile you up, to get you worked up, but don't forget, have fun with it, but realize where does it end? Because if you engulf yourself in it, you have a problem because it affects who you are. And then you see somebody else of opposite team and you want to fight. And they're pointing their finger, you loser, man, you're a loser. You didn't even play. You were sitting in front of the TV eating nachos. But you took it as you lost. You can't talk to me like that. It's a pride thing to get you worked up. And this is the same pride that is the word of God is talking about. So you have to be very careful. I know it's tough for your team to lose and go, you know what, it's all right. And someone goes, boy, you lost bad. You go, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. And you just go on there like, man, you're a loser. You're a loser. You have to learn to roll with it, even though you don't want to. And you have to diagnose that for for yourself and see if it's for you. Because I know some some people say, Brother Zim, that is not for me. (laughs) So I ask you to to ask your, your spirit man to say, how should I act? when my team loses? How should I act when they win? Should I walk with a high chest when they win? Should, should I want to fight when they lose? So this is something we need to learn. Amen. So here in uh, John um, 9.5 or 9.6, Jesus, let's go back to verse uh, 1. Uh, Let me see. So we know here that Jesus is walking through and he sees a a man that is blind. And um, let's go to verse 6. And when 
he had said to these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. Why is he doing this? Why doesn't he just lay his hands on them and he'd be healed? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter because he needs a miracle. This man has been blind from, from birth. And I, you have to think about the man when, when Jesus comes. He doesn't even know who Jesus is. He's standing there staring at the sun. Okay? So with that being said, you take anything. But I'm sure when someone, doesn't, when someone puts sand in your eyes, you'd be a little bit like, whoa, man, what's going on here? Putting sand in my eyes. But you have to remember, it doesn't matter about what's happening. It's about what am I going to give? Amen. So the ground and made clay with the saliva. So he spit. So, so, so ask yourself, if someone were to spit in dirt and put it in my eyes, would I accept it? And anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, not only did he put dirt in his eyes, now he's saying, get up. And go in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. So, so he's telling him, I'm putting dirt in your eyes. Now, blind man, walk to the pool. <laughs> you just put dirt in my eyes. I'm blind. You want me to walk? So this man has an opportunity to really question what's going on here. He doesn't know who Jesus is and didn't even seek him out. Jesus is, is out of the goodness of his heart, is doing these things and putting dirt in his eyes and then saying, now rise up and go to the pool. And he's like, okay. So I'm sure he wasn't running. I'm sure he is walking. Malnutrition doesn't have very much and is walking, you know, like this, down to a pool and asking for directions every once in a while to make sure he's not hit the local carts, to hit a wall, whatever. But why couldn't Jesus just laid hands on him and we'd be done with this? Why? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because he needs a miracle. If he told you to walk to the next county blind, boy, you better just start walking that way. But most people, their pride saying, excuse me, good master, will you just pray for me? I know you've got dirt in my eyes right now, and I know you're asking me, but can you just please pray and we done with this? And he said, go wash in the pool. So he went and washed and came back, what? Seeing. But what if he said, get this stuff out of my eyes. What are you doing? Who are you? I can't even see you. Who are you? And you have to put yourselves in this place. He has no idea, but you know what? When you're blind... <laughs> you about try anything. And then you're already blind. We can't make it much worse besides irritate your eyes with some dirt in your eyelids. But he went, and you can imagine thinking the whole time, what am I doing? If I just rub this stuff out of my eyes, and I'm just going to sit back down. I'm just going to sit back down. And everyone's looking at you, and you got dirt in your eyes, and the blind man, they're going, what is he doing? What happened to him on the front street? Why has he got dirt on his face and he's walking to the poison to drown himself? You can't get near there. So you can see how humility, by, by not understanding, it doesn't matter. But if you do it, you get your miracle. And, it, and they went on, and the Pharisees got incredibly mad and said, it's the Sabbath. God don't heal on the Sabbath. 
He's not doing these things. And he says, I don't know who this man is, but I know that I see. I'm now seeing because I did what he said. Amen. So it's important to do what God tells you to do. It's important that you don't understand you still do what you're told to do. Amen. You, you know, I, I was reading about, um, we can read about Joseph. And Joseph was put in terrible places and then in great places. But most of us, let me tell you the first place where I would have been upset is when they threw me in a giant hole and they ripped my clothes off. I would have been done with them. <laughs> and I would have been mad at the whole world. I think most of us would have been pretty upset at this point. They took my clothes, throw me in here, and sold me for a slave. Ends up as a servant and progressively moves through the ranks, gets accused of raping a woman, and then is thrown in prison. And then believing God that God's good but being in there for 12 years. Now, most of us, after 12 years of being in a prison, would probably be pretty upset, right? And think God's, God's abandoned us. But humility never forgets how good God is. How good God is. And then, it, in a nutshell, he comes and the baker was in prison too and forgot that Joseph was in there because he told him, hey, I'm going to put a good word out for you because you're a great guy, but forgot about him. How do you forget about someone you've been living with for that long? I mean, come on now. He just forgot about him. And so, he goes, you know what? I remember since you're mentioning dreams, there was a guy, I don't remember his name, that lived in the dungeon when I was down there named Joseph. And he is an interpreter of dreams. Do you think Joseph had a great opportunity when they brought him up to the pharaohs and he says, interpret this dream? He'd be like, forget you. I interpret anything. Y'all throw me. You've accused me of things that never happened. What if he did that? He had an opportunity to do that. What would he have missed? They said, take him away. Back down to the dungeon you go. And that would have been the last of the story. And Joseph lived all his days in the dungeon. The end. But he realized these people that are threw me in here are now asking for my help to potentially throw me back in the dungeon. But humility, from listening to God, says, I'll help you. And within a moment, we know he went from rags to riches within a sentence. That's how fast it went, due to humility. Now we look at the other side. We look at Samson. Most of it, it's, we see it as a Bible story for kids. But in the big picture, uh, an, an angel appeared, uh, appeared to his mother and said, you will have a son that has a great strength, and he's going to be a blessing. So there goes on. And then, I mean, to have that kind of strength is quite amazing. And he grows up, and he's a womanizer. The strength of this was not given to be a womanizer. The strength of this even though he was given a great thing, he killed the people that, that he did a riddle with them. He did a riddle. I'm talking about a real riddle. If you go back and read it, he did a riddle with them and lost the bet and killed them all. The, 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 this was not, the strength that God gave him was not meant for riddles. Right? And then <clears throat> he uses it 
and uses it for like a trick. They said, uh, excuse me, Miss Sampson, we got to take you to the head honcho. Will you just walk with us? He goes, yeah, I'm going to walk with you, but then I'm going to break all, the, all this junk off to me. I'm going to wreck the whole shop. So he goes with them and does that, and then, then he goes out and kills a 1,000 people with the jawbone. But all of this, you know, all this is happening is not due to God. This is due to pride in the women I want, all of it. And then he goes to uh, that one place where Delilah is. It, it's a prostitute house, and he's sleeping with women, but this strength was given to him to be honored unto God, but it is squandered away on prostitutes. And then he plays with the power that is given to him like it's a joke and says, I'll tell you, but I'm not going to tell you right now. And she says, tell me. He goes, I'm not going to tell you. It's just a joke. And what happens, they cut off his hair, they gouge out his eyes, and he's sent to prison. And he's like in a work camp, breaking hay bells or something. And then what happens is he forgot his humility, he forgot where his strength came from and used it for himself, and pride rose up, and he lost it. But then he got a little bit of humility back at the very end. And he said, Father, I've misused what you gave me, and I ask you for one last push to help me. And when he did that, God gave him one, one last push, and that's the end of his story. That's it. But think about if he did use it for God. What kind of story would we be hearing? One of the greatest men that you would have ever saw in the Bible because of his strength. And if he had that, that much strength, he would have been honored above all men. And if he would have honored God with it, where would he have been today? But instead, he was whoring around, using it against evil. And it was squandered. And it's very important. That's why God won't give you anything that you're not big enough to have. If you're not big enough to have it, God won't give it to you. And that story is a prime example because he knew what he was capable of. And I can take any woman I want. And he could. And he lost it all. Amen. Are y'all being helped? Can, can I go one more? Okay. Let me see where I want to go. <laughs> so let's go to Luke 17, 14. Luke 17, 14. So, when he's, so we know this is the story of the lepers. So when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. They were calling to Jesus afar off because they were not permitted to come any closer. And they were screaming to Jesus because they knew who he was. And so he says, go show yourself to the priest. So it was that, then that when they went, they were cleansed, clean. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorifying God. So a lot of them got caught up in the hype of they were healed, but only one of them returned. And then he fell down at, at, with his face at the feet of Jesus. Think about what you just got back. Think about what you just got back. Your family is now within reach to you. You can get your job back. You can get your life back. You don't have to be living in a cave no more. You are incredibly grateful. But 
these men took off running out of excitement, but forgot what they need to do first. And he fell down at, the, at, at, at his feet, giving him thanks as he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not ten of you clean? What did he expect? He expected them to come back and glorify them. But were there not nine? And when they were not found, he returned and gave glory to God, except for the foreigner. And he said to him, arise, go, your faith has made you well. So it is important because humility is incredibly grateful for everything it gets. And when you fall at the face of God and you fall at the face of Jesus and say, Father, I don't understand everything, but I ask you to help me. And when you do that, God can use you in a great way. Amen. Have you all been blessed today? We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at defrayministries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Defray Ministries.